you love Jesus, say amen. amen. Praise God. Glad to have each and every one of you here this morning. This is our closing installment in this series called In God We Trust. I hope that this has blessed you. I believe I've uh, gotten several reports from folks who've really taken a step of faith to reevaluate things and stepping out in faith and putting God first, making a commitment to give God the best. Uh, we talked our first Sunday about kingdom entrepreneurs where God puts us, every one of us, like he did Adam and Eve, down into a place where everything's been provided. But we may have to work a little bit, shake some trees, subdue the earth, tend the soil, plant some seed. And so we've uh, built that thing each week regarding the first fruits principle. We talked last week regarding the blessing on generosity. And so we're going to jump right in today to this last one called Kingdom Trustees. I have a text from Matthew 25 verses 14 through 30. Um, I think they have that on the overhead. Uh, let me check. Okay, yeah, I, I have it. I want to go ahead and read it here. I think this is the ESV, and then I'm going to take time. If you would stand with me this morning. Are you ready to read the Word of God? This is good. Let's read together. This is a little bit of an extended passage, so we'll just take our time, get through it. Here we go. Let's read together. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you had to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reaped where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was with my own interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness... In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, I'm going to let you be seated this morning. I want you to listen as I read this again from the message. Okay? I want to take the time because it's, it's a little bit more clarifying. 
It says in the message in Matthew 25, it's also like a man going off on an extended trip. He called his servants together and delegated responsibilities. To one he gave $5,000, to another $2,000, to a third $1,000, depending on their abilities. Everybody say abilities. Then he left. Right off, the first servant went to work and doubled his master's investment. The second did the same, but the man with the single thousand dug a hole and carefully buried his master's money. After a long absence, the master of those three servants came back and settled up with them. The one given $5,000 showed him how he had doubled his investment. His master commended him, good work, you did your job well. From now on, be my partner. In other words, join in the business with me. Verse 22, the servant with the 2,000 showed how he also had doubled his master's investment. His master commended him, good work, you did your job well. From now on, be my partner. Verse 24, the servant given 1,000 said, Master, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways, that you demand the best and make no allowances for error. I was afraid that I might disappoint you, so I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. The master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. This, this paragraph right here is the one that I really wanted you to listen to. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the bankers where at least I would have gotten a little interest. Take the thousand and give it to the one who risked the most. And get rid of this play it safe. That's what the master is calling this guy who didn't risk anything, didn't make an investment. He said, get rid of this play it safe. He won't go out on a limb. Throw him into the outer darkness. Would you bow your heads with me, please, for a word of prayer. Gracious God and Father, we thank you for this opportunity today together as the people of God. Thank you for the gifts that you have poured out upon us. You've given each to us the measure of faith. Thank you, Lord, that there are various and sundry abilities that are sitting in this room. There are trusteeships that you've given to each of us. You've trusted, entrusted, given us the ability to steward over some things, some resources, particularly finance, as we talk about in this series. Give us wisdom today, O God. You promised in your word that if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and finds no fault. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're the teacher today. I can't do anything apart from you. But Lord, with you, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Open our eyes, give us ears to, to hear, eyes to see. In Jesus' name, we pray and all of God's people said, amen. amen. Management 101. I remember attending the class at A-State and there was a a guy who would obviously a tenured professor who had been there for a long time and he'd been tenured so long he really didn't care what anybody thought. He didn't care about any kind of uh, summaries that the students gave in terms of assessing his teaching skills. It was the most monotonous droning on of management that I've ever heard in my life. About while, all I got out of that class was I remember was planning implementing, facilitating, leading, organizing. There was a few principles that I remembered from Management 101. I've learned more from the Bible in what God has given us concerning management, and I've learned from others. We have a great leader on our staff here 
Pastor Alex, just a phenomenal guy in the business world. And it's been a blessing for him to come on this team and to assist and to just bring all of his gift that God has given because there's a tremendous management leadership skill that is there. But the scripture gives us a management 101 principle, and it's this word right here, oikonomos. Now, I don't do a whole lot with Greek unless there's a real handle that I can put on it and give you a picture in the English language. And so today there is that, and I want to give you this. Everybody say oikonomos. It almost sounds like something you'd hear at a hog farm, oink, oink, but it's oikonomos. Okay? Oikonomos is a steward. He's a manager. It's translated in the King James as a chamberlain or a governor. So this is somebody who has charge over a household. Particularly, uh, when you look at this, the Greek word oikos. Some of you might be uh, fans of, of, of yogurt. I don't know if you eat yogurt or not, especially the Greek yogurt. If you'll, if you'll look at Walmart or, or, or Kroger, oikos literally is the Greek word, and it means household. And it's the idea of... You know, they're trying to market it. If you eat this product, then you're going to have a healthy house. You'll have healthy bodies, the people that are in your household. But a, but a household is an oikos. An oikonomos is the manager over a house, okay? Now, to just stretch this a little bit further, the last one is oikonomia or oikonomia. There are two pronunciations. Say that with me. Oikonomia. Now, if you can look at it real close, you can almost see the word economy in it. You see that? Oikonomia. You see, kind of see the onama, O-N-O-M-I right there. That's sort of where the, the economy idea is in this. It's the idea of administration, overseeing, stewarding, managing. And so when we talk about this passage of Scripture, God has given every one of us an oikos. You have a house. You're living. Now, whether or not you actually own a uh, a wood structure, whether it's built out of brick or whatever, where you actually, whether you actually own a house or not, if you're renting and live in an apartment, you still have a household. You have an oikos. And, and, and more specifically than that, it's not just talking about the literal property, but it's talking about the, the building that you're building, your life, the, the house that you're building, this right here, the, the, the way that I live, the way that I behave, whether or not I bring glory to God. Am I managing and stewarding? Yes, to the very specific things of property. Am I taking care of those things that God has entrusted to me and put in my care? All right? I, I am an oikonomos. I am a manager. I'm a steward. And, and, and the household over which I see, God has given me a, an oikonomia. He's giving me an administration, an economy. So as we look at this today, I want you to see some principles very quickly. Number one, as we put this up, stewardship is what I do with all that God has entrusted to me. Everybody say trust. Now, when God gives you something, typically he gives it to you for a purpose. There is a reason. He he endows you with a skill, a talent. He bestows upon you, puts a desire in your heart, gives you a drive to push toward the completion of something, gives you uh, an idea that you're able to build upon. Every one of you here in this room who are married, you have an idea of the kind of life, the kind of marriage, the kind of home, the, the situation where you have a good relationship. What is the atmosphere of the house? You have an idea what you want that to be. Sometimes there is a little discontinuity between the way things actually are and the way you want them to be. But we are all pushing toward a goal, striving toward. And that's the management area. That's where we administrate to move this thing toward the fulfillment of that goal. A marriage that is healthy. 
a household that is prospering, that is being blessed by the hand of God. It is a trust. God puts a trusteeship into your life to handle some things, as we talk about this morning. Number two, God has already provided for everything that I ever need, that I ever will need. There was a garden that had already been created, and every seed-bearing plant, every animal living in the field, in the stream, in the water, in the air, was all for Adam and Eve's choice use. There was the ability there to, to dig and find ore, gold and silver and copper, in the hills. I don't believe the Garden of Eden was just this little bitty tiny spot. I believe it was vast. And I believe that God's intention was out of that garden because there were four rivers that literally went in the four directions, speaking of the four corners of the earth. God's design was that Adam and Eve would tend it, subdue it out of their communion with him, would take dominion, and they would spread the garden until it covered the earth with the glory of Eden, the knowledge of the glory of Eden as the waters cover the sea. It's a kingdom principle. It's the idea that we have in the New Testament, the dominion mandate in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, of let us make man in our image after our likeness, let them have dominion. This is reiterated in the New Covenant in what we call the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations and teach them everything that I have commanded you, he said. He said, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching everything that I have commanded. He says, for lo, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the world. Greek word is age. He's, he's with us to the very end of time, okay? And so we, we must recognize that the charge God has given us as the church is the restatement of that old covenant dominion mandate. We're to take the glory of Eden and we're to spread it. The four rivers going out of Eden, we're to take it to the four corners of the earth, north, south, east, and west. We are to take the gospel. We're to take it. It's not just for people who are dedicated full-time missionaries. Literally, if you look at the, the Greek language, it literally says in the present progressive, as you are going into the world, make disciples. This is not just for sp special people that are sent with the purpose of being missionaries. This is for all of us as the sent people of God. We are the church. We are a missional people. We have a mission. When we walk out of this building this morning, in a very real sense, this is the huddle of the football game. The football game of life is out those doors. We head out there to carry the ball down the field, to, uh, to encounter a defensive team of spiritual warfare that's coming against us, principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness and high places, the Bible says. But he says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And, and guess what? If we as the team of God have been in the gym of the Spirit and we've been building ourselves up in our most holy faith and we've been praying in the Holy Ghost and we've been worshiping and spending time in the Word, guess what? When we head out there onto the football field of life, we can encounter that defensive team in front of us and we can break through that line and carry the ball across the goal line. We can see disciples built and made. We can see nations turn. That's why we're here sustained. That's why we're here maintaining. That's why we're here not just with a maintenance mentality, but a, but a desire to push forward, to journey forward, to carry this thing on further here in the Delta to see the glory of the Lord fill this place, to see God break through the mentalities that bind the hearts of people. We have a stewardship. 
God has entrusted it to us. We have to tend this garden. We have to shake some trees. There's some new ideas that can break through. There's some means that we can bait this hook with so that we can catch the fish of Crittenden County and we can let the Holy Ghost clean them. And guess what? We can have a massive move of the Spirit of God here if we catch a vision together. Come on. Number two, God has already provided everything I'll ever need. I must tend the garden. Now guess what, guys? This is not just on a church level. This is also you in your personal life. You have a a resource. You have some abilities. You have some skills. You have some opportunities that are set before you. Some of you are struggling right now financially. I encourage you just to pray and do what I said in this prayer this morning. God, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. I just believe that the pastor is not telling me a lie, that literally in my circumstances, there are some seeds within my grasp that I can plant that will bless my life. There are some actions that I can take. I can tend this garden that I'm in right now. I can quit complaining about this job, and I can start serving for the glory of God, and I believe God will bring me a promotion. He'll bring me a better one. If I'll be faithful in the little things, he promises that he will bless me with much. That's the word of the Lord. Number three, moving quickly this morning. Number three, stewardship requires my faithfulness. Stewardship requires my faithfulness. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, this is in the ESV. It says it. Put up these two scriptures. <laughs> it says it this way. This, this, is how, <laughs> this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. Look at your neighbor right now and just go ahead and ask him. Say, hey, hey, neighbor, can God cr- trust you? That's the issue right there. Can God trust me? The, 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 the message that we're trying to bring in this series is that we say, yes, in God we trust. It's one thing to say it with my mouth. It's something else to put my actions behind those words and demonstrate that I trust God enough to take care of me, that I'm going to obey the principle of first fruits and give to God what is his first off the top. I'm going to give God first because God is first. I put my trust in God, and I'm going to demonstrate that because God has promised that if I would have a generous heart, if I would bless the poor, if I would be liberal in my giving, in my time, my talent, my treasure, he's promised me that out of that generosity that I myself would be in abundance and I would be blessed. That's the word of the Lord. Listen to this. The scripture says to us in Luke chapter 16, second scripture right behind that in your mess, in your notes, It says, whoever is faithful in small matters will be faithful in large ones. How many of you know that if you're careful to make sure uh, that you're you're not getting too much change back from the attendant at Walmart, I've turned back around and went back and taken them. I said, no, you've given me a couple of bucks too much. And, And if we're careful to make sure that we are faithful in the little things, guess what? When it comes time for God to give us an opportunity to do it with the big things, faithfulness will be there. And when faithfulness is there, God will bless. Do we honor the Lord in the little things? The, the, in, the, in the sense, if we, if, we don't, if we honor the Lord with the pennies, then we know that we'll honor him with the dollars. If we honor the Lord in the, the minutes of the day and how we're operating with a great attitude on our job site, 
you know, it's just so much. There's so much time that's wasted in the American workforce with people that are complaining and folks that are on the computer and on Facebook and, you know, texting and on their phone and, and not really truly giving their employer the amount of time that he or she is paying him or her for their hours or for their salary. And just so much time is wasted. If we would really just say, you know what, with my time, I'm going to honor God. I'm going to do this not out of a a sense of obligation, but I'm going to do this because I want to give God glory. Guess what? You can lay your head down at night and you can go to sleep. You can know that the blessing of the Lord's on you. He's going to chase you down and overtake you. Come on, somebody. And you know what? You keep that up as a habit. Your, your employee will figure out, hey, that guy, that girl, that lady, that man means business. I've got to promote. That person needs to be leading the rest of the staff. That's where promotion comes. Psalm 75 says promotion neither comes from the east nor the west nor the south. And it, it leaves one out. It just implies that promotion comes from the north where God dwells in the sides of the north in Mount Zion. Promotion is from the Lord. That's what the Bible says. It comes from him. And so when I honor him, guess what? God has a way of shining the light on you, even in a boss who has been distracted by somebody else who might be trying to do you bad, who might be trying to take you under, who might be trying to step on you. God has a way to make your light shine above everybody else if you'll just give God glory and put him first. Come on. Whoever is faithful in small matters will be faithful in large ones. Whoever is dishonest in small matters will be dishonest in large ones. If then you have not been faithful in handling worldly wealth, how can you be trusted with true wealth? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to someone else, who will give you what belongs to you? In other words, if I can't be faithful with another person's business and I'm there working for him, I'm I'm kidding myself if I think God's ever going to trust me with one of my own if I can't take care of what belongs to somebody else. If I can't honor for a season where I'm working for another brother in his ministry, why, why do I think God will ever give me my own or give, give me my own church if I can't be faithful to honor what God has built in the life of a ministry that I may be working for? That's, that's such a powerful principle. The Bible says in verse 13, no servant can be the slave of two masters. Such a slave will hate one and love the other or will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Powerful principles. If you would look with me, please, right down under that, I have some points that I want you to see. Faithfulness in small things are what is so critical because God says, I'm paying attention to those little things, those minutes of the day, those pennies and how you're handling it, how you're treating the folks around you. It's so critical that the little things, the Bible says in Zechariah chapter 4, don't despise the day of small things because the day of small things reveals how I'm going to act when big opportunities do come. I need the discipline. I need the practice. I need the patience. I need the habits of godliness and integrity and honesty and faithfulness and loyalty. Money is a test for handling the true riches. So many times we have the uh, the idea, it's like Southern gospel music has flipped it. Well, I'll be faithful to the gospel on this side. Then when I get to heaven, I'll live in a 40-room mansion and walk on golden streets. And really, I'm going to tell you, just natural wealth is what we handle on this side. It's the true riches of eternity that God basically says, if you can't handle worldly wealth, why do you think I'm going to let you and trust into you and put into your hand and make you a steward and oikonomos over the true riches? It's what the word of the Lord says. 
Jesus went on to make these comments. I'm going to read it from the message. If you're honest in small things, you'll be honest in big things. If you're a crook in small things, you'll be a crook in big things. If you're not honest in small jobs, who will put you in charge of the store? I love it. No worker can serve two bosses. He'll either hate the first and love the second, or he'll adore the first and despise the second. You can't serve both God and the bank. Wow. Powerful. How I handle what is not mine determines what does become mine. Hear that. When you, when you go to work this week and you're working, earning a paycheck from somebody else, and that person is providing a service or a product in this community, and they're blessing this community, and they've, they've made that risk, that investment. They've, they've built up a company. They, they, they put in the initial investment of $20,000, $50,000, $250,000. Who knows? And they've built this thing up, and they're, they're paying the bills, and they've got 7,500 employees working for them, which means 100 families are looking to that company to bless them. The worst thing you can do is with your mouth start cursing the very person that God is using as a channel to bless you. The scripture says in Proverbs 11, by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. That works in the same way with your company. Bless the company. Don't be a problem. Don't be part of the problem. Be a part of the solution. Don't, don't, don't be part of all the little fussing and yow yow and gossip and all that kind of mess that goes on. And you know what? It's just, it happens everywhere. It happens at school. It happens at work. It happens at church. God help us to grow up out of our junior high cheerleader mentality where we talk about everybody and write notes and pass them around and just get into the whole rumor mill. You know, it's amazing to me. Some adults never do grow up past junior high. Don't shout me down in here this morning. You know, there's some things that we're to be uh, stewards over just besides our money. It's our relationships. It's how we treat each other. Faithfulness to God means money is only an economic tool. I cannot serve God and the bank. The bank is supposed to be a tool, something that I work with, that works with me, for me to be able to accomplish the greater calling that God has on my life. And if you're a business person, that's part of your calling. I'm so thankful that since the Reformation, Martin Luther, John Calvin, these guys brought us to the awareness that your calling is not just people that are called are not just those who stand up behind some kind of place that you put the Bible, whether it's a pulpit or a sacred desk of any kind. Those that are called are people that are in the community, that are, that are cobblers and that are, that are making shoes. I'm talking Reformation time here. And they're bakers and they're butchers and they're candlestick makers. And now they're leading companies and they're teaching students and they're, they're healing the sick through their their medicine through nursing and doctors. Come on, you are called of God. If you are staying at home and you are homeschooling your children, that is a high calling of God. The blessing of the Lord is upon your life because you are building into another generation. Would to God we would catch this, that we make holy our ordinary everydays. As we do that, the kingdom of God is advanced. Come on, Mom. Don't, don't you for one second think that you're not a productive person, a citizen in the, in the U.S. economy. Every time you change that dirty diaper and you bring order back to that disorder and that little boy, that little girl's life. Come on, come on. You're advancing the kingdom of God. See, we don't think of the kingdom of God in those terms. I guarantee you, you, you let that chaos stay like it is for a while, and you'll re recognize how important it is to bring some order into that stuff. It's important. When we teach our children, when we, when we raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, when, when we pay our bills on time, we are advancing the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. Number four, three investments that I must steward. 
Are you getting anything out of this this morning? Three investments that I must steward. Number one, the revelation of who God is to you. The revelation of who God is to you. Do I only know about God or do I truly know him? I'd ask this to everybody in the room this morning. What is my testimony and how am I telling others? Listen, if you've been through a test and God's delivered you and you can say, I once was blank, but now I'm blank. Whatever that was, you fill in the blanks. That is your testimony. That is the most powerful tool you have to steward the revelation of God to who he is to you. And your children need to know that. They need to know how God delivered you and set you free and how you were in great need and God provided and how you were sick and God healed you. Come on, somebody. All right. Am I being responsible to steward this into the next generation? Your revelation of who God is. God revealed himself to Abraham. He poured himself out and he showed him. He said, I am El Shaddai, the Almighty One, the God who's more than enough. Genesis 22, he revealed his name as, as uh, Jehovah, Je- Jehovah Jireh. Took me a minute to get the CD on track and pull it up. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees and provides. Well, guess what? When God revealed himself to Abraham like that, Isaac was involved in that process. And that indelibly imprinted on Isaac's mind that God could provide in time of need. Because he was strapped to the altar and the fire was about to be lit and the knife was raised. The angel of the Lord stopped the hand of Abraham and he spoke to him and he said, I am Jehovah Jireh or Jehovah Yiri, the way you would say it, Yahweh Yiri in the Hebrew. And he reveals to him that he provides for him. And there's a ram caught in the bush over there. And that lets Isaac up off the altar. And there's the ram that God provides. God provides himself. What God was to Abraham, it got poured into Isaac. And then what God was to Abraham and Isaac, it got poured into Jacob. And then he became known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, can can your children tell the story of how God has revealed himself I serve the God of Buddy and Susan, that the children of the Warners would say that. I serve the God of Alex and Simona. I serve the God in the future that you have in front of you, what God has done in your life. They've had that poured into them, and it's challenged them, and it's changed them. Come on, somebody. Three investments in which I must steward. Number two, relationships. Are my friendships lasting, or are they disposable? Do you treat your friends like a bad diaper that you can just sort of toss out with the trash? I mean, there are a lot of things that are disposable these days. You know, you can chunk that stuff in the microwave, and guess what? You tear it all apart and use part of the package even to cook the thing, and then you just throw it away, dispose of it. Some folks treat their relationships like that. God is looking for a people that are willing to steward the the people that they care about, build into them, make investments in them, walk with them, not just for a year or two, but 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and be able to say, look, children, let me tell you something. I know that man. I know that woman. Jack and Tina Murphy, long-term relationships with me. I trust them. There's a stewardship we've built together. We've stood together. They They are the real thing. You can trust that couple sitting over there. We've got 20 years together. Listen, that, that's amazing because so many times relationships don't last. A lot of times marriages don't last. And let me just say this to you. If you've had the, the situation of being out of one and into another one, then my God, pour everything you can into the one that you're in right now and don't let it falter too. Yeah. 
Because the more you let relationships become disposable, the greater the tendency for everything following that to just get in that snowball. And there's a curse on that. God wants to break that curse. I'm preaching real good this morning. Come on, somebody. Last one, resources. My resources, my skills, my talent, my mind. What, what, what do I do with the, the, the gift that God has given me, the music that is in my life, the ability to articulate, to write, to, to say things? How, how, how are you doing with what God has blessed you with? There are some things that people are sitting in this room that are unique gifts. Some of you are mechanical, some of you are inventive, creative, some of you can build. What are you doing with that? Are you turning it into something that can bless your life and your family and the kingdom of God? How are you handling that? Your resources, are you putting God first? Are you giving God best? This is just a quick summary of these first three messages today as we end this. Am I living within my means or am I in debt? Let me just say this this morning. This is one that probably hits everybody in the room. I, 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 I doubt that there's probably not in our church, there's probably a handful of people that are completely, totally out of debt, don't owe anything, no car payments, no house payment, nothing whatsoever. There's some, I'm sure, that are pretty close to it. And then there's some, there are others that are just flat struggling in the middle of all that the American dream has brought to us. And let me just say this to you this morning. God wants us to move toward the place where we owe no man anything except but to love him. Because if we don't have, if we're not in a place of being indebted, then we have the ability for God to tap us on the shoulder and say, give that away. And guess what? When we can start giving as God instructs us, God will chase you down with blessing like you have never even begun to imagine. But you can't do that when it's all tied up down at the bank. You can't do that when it's all tied up in credit cards. Let me just say this. I've struggled. Everybody in this room, to some degree or another, has struggled. And if there is an area that this, where you need some instruction and some blessing, that is beyond this series. There is some great stuff by men by the name of Larry Burkett with Crown Financial, with Dave Ramsey with Financial Peace. There's some great stuff out there that you can put into play that will show you how to put aside a, uh, an emergency fund and then after that, to begin a snowball kind of a debt reduction strategy where you take everything and pay the first, the lowest bill down, the one that's the closest to being paid for, stay at it till that one's paid for, and then take everything that you have with that and then start putting all of that on the next one. And then you have this ability, literally, you can make some incredible headway in one year's time in getting yourself out of an indebted place. Am I helping somebody this morning? I would encourage you to get that book, Financial Peace, by uh, Dave Ramsey. It's a great product. <clears throat> do I pay my bills? My resources, the, the, the stuff that God has given me, do I pay my bills? Do I pay them on time? That's important. Sometimes everybody has a problem where stuff hits that you can't keep up with, you can't help, and, man, and, and you struggle. And listen, we have mercy for that. God has mercy for that. But we ought to be doing the very best we possibly can to manage what God has put in our hands. Because many times in America, we are not like our parents or our grandparents were determining that we live beneath our means and saving, but we're living above our means and we're continually year after year going more and more into debt. And let me say this, there's no reason for us to fuss about the state of the government if we are doing the very same thing in our own oikos and our own house. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. All right, number five, and I'm finished this morning. It's the last, last point. My life work will be judged based on what I've done with what's been entrusted to me. What I have done with what God has given me. 
the decisions that I make, how I build, how I order my life, how I treat my wife, how I raise my children, how I lead this church. This is, I'm talking about me, my, mine this morning. I will be judged. Every one of us this morning sitting under the sound of my voice with the skills and the talents and the resources, God has put some things into your hands determined by your abilities, which by the way, he gave you those as well. God wants to see if we will be faithful in the little things. If we'll be faithful with little, he promises he'll turn it around and bless us with much. Listen to the word of the Lord. According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. 1 Corinthians 3 verses 10 through 15 say, Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day. Everybody say day. It's capital D. For the day will disclose it. It's the big day. It's the great reckoning day. For the day where we all stand before the judgment seat of God, the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. This, we've, we've ministered on this before, and I'm not going to take a long time, but I just want to remind you of what the, the, the apostle is saying here. This is not a salvation issue. You are already a believer. You know Jesus Christ. When you stand before the judgment seat, because you have already accepted the payment that Jesus Christ made for you, sacrificed for your life, your sins are forgiven. You have already been stamped, forgiven, set free. But you will stand before the judgment seat of God to be judged for what you've done with the abilities, the talents, the skill, the money, the resources, the revelation of who God is. The relationships that God has given you. How have you built into these people? And finally, your resources. What have I done with those? How have I built this life? Have I built it out of solid things of gold and silver and precious stones? Or have I just thrown up this shoddy sort of a straw house, a life? Then we stand in before the presence of the one who is the all-consuming fire. Then my work is burned up. I'll be saved, but there's no reward. So I just want to say to you this morning, it's critical that we make some decisions, whether you are 15 or whether you're 85. It's, it's critical that we make decisions that we're going to honor God with everything that we do, every breath that we take, every word that we speak, that there not be an idle word, uh, an empty word, a word of, that's in vain, but that we make sure that every word that comes out of our mouth, it's a container of life. It's blessing. It's making an investment. We're stewarding our revelation of who God is. We're building into the relationships around us and we're taking our resources and we're managing them. We're pouring into the lives of some others. Would you bow your heads with me, please, for a word of prayer this morning? Gracious God, we just thank you for this time together in your presence. I thank you, Lord, for the people in this congregation this morning who've heard your word Lord, let the convicting power and presence of the Holy Spirit 
touch and be with each and every one of us. Lord, to remember the importance of stewarding our time and our talent and our treasure, everything that we do. God, I thank you that every believer in this room has the confidence that he or she stand before you, stands before you, that they've already been accepted in the beloved and the payment for their sin has been made. I just want to say to each and every one of you this morning, if you don't have that confidence, that when you stand before the judgment seat, that it's not just about your life work, but it could be about whether or not you've ever believed in Jesus. That's critical. The scripture says, he who has the son has life. Do you have him this morning? He who has not the Son has not life, shall not see life. The Bible says, and the wrath of God abides on him already. Wow. If we're in a place of not walking with God, the book of Romans says that we are storing up wrath for the day of wrath. That's a scary thought. It can change today. Your status can change between you and God. He's drawing. He's speaking right now by the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit. He's calling some of his own by name. And if you sense that today and you'd like to receive prayer, salvation doesn't come because you raise your hand. Salvation comes as a work of God. And it comes because you respond to that work and you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Eternity for a believer is going to be joy in his presence. Eternity for those who've not taken that step of faith, who've spurned it, who've turned against it. The scripture says it's hell without him. I don't want anybody, any of my brothers, any of my sisters, any friends, any acquaintances, anybody sitting in this room this morning, I don't want that to be your state throughout all eternity. If you'd like to be included in this prayer right now with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you just slip up your hand? I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm not going to call anybody forward, but I'd like to pray for you right now. Anybody in the room? Yes, I see a hand. Thank you so much. A couple of them. Yes. Thank you. Father, we just call upon your name right now. We thank you in Jesus' name for these two who've raised their hands, who've said, I want to know with confidence that God is my father and I'm his child. Lord, thank you that all these have to do is turn from the past and turn toward you and just, just say, God, save me. Thank you right now that as they pray that in their heart and say, Jesus, save me, forgive my sins. I give my heart to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you that you're doing a work right now that no man can do in Jesus' name. For all the believers in the room this morning as we conclude this series, if there's anyone who would say, Pastor, I've really heard a fresh word in this. It's challenged me to put God first and to give God best and to be a faithful steward over the resources, my time, my talent, my treasure, all these things. Would you just pray for me today that I can take a step of faith? Is there anybody in the room who'd like to be included in that? Yes, about four or five hands went up. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for these believers who put their trust in you. Lord, not only in word, but they're taking steps of faith to do it afresh indeed. Lord, with their time, with their talent, with their treasure, with their resources, their abilities, all of these things, God, I ask you to bless and honor this step of faith as we respond to your word. Change us, O oh God, to be all that you've called us to be. Let us give you first and give you our best. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, 